This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another episode of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, and a lot of stuff to unpack from this past weekend. Three title fights, one new champion. We'll get to that in a bit, but of course, Joe, we should start with the main event. We had Israel mm -hmm. Adesanya moving up to light heavyweight, trying to become a champ champ and falling short against Jan Blachowicz. Uh I think that this has probably been mentioned ad nauseum by me uh, already in the last, you know, basically the days since the event. I had scored a 30-27 for the first three rounds for Israel, and uh, of course four and five, no argument from anybody about Jan winning those rounds. I don't think you'll find a single person on the planet that scored uh, four or five for Israel. But, uh, you know, having gone back and watched it, I still feel like they were really close rounds. You know, I, 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 agree. I, I, you know, I watched it on mute, no, no commentary, so I wasn't biased by anything. And uh, I thought that Israel won the first round fairly clearly, although uh, I had Sean Sheehan on the show uh, on the interview edition, who's very well-versed in judging. And uh, he says he thought, you know, upon rewatch, he had, he had it 48-47 for Jan the first watch. And the second okay. watch, he had it 50-45 for Jan. He had, gave Jan all five rounds. What but, the uh, heck? I, yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I don't just, know how I can't... much of a specialist he is if he's seeing 50-45. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm a little bit more biased towards with your side, to be honest. I thought Izzy... You know, did well, especially the first two rounds. Hands down, is easy to me. See, most and people thought Yon hands down round. was. Everybody See? thought round two was a clear Yon round. It felt like I, I wouldn't say it's everybody, but a good majority. Like I watch it. To me personally, it's round three that's in the question. Like I don't understand why people are thinking. Like I heard guys like Ariel and DC like, for sure guaranteed the third round was for Adesanya. Uh, sorry for Yon or for Adesanya. One of them. I was like, how? How was it a guaranteed round for that person? You know, I was like, I don't know. I'm so confused. I definitely thought Izzy was the first, and I would have thought third could have gone either way than the last two yawn. So mm -hmm. I thought, honestly, could have been a split decision. I would have been either way, I think, is good. But to me, I, I think 49-46 was just baloney. I think that's too much uh, favoring yawn, to be honest. Yeah, it's 49-45. Yeah, that shouldn't have been a 10-8. That. that, like... That's one thing that you can't do because the first two two minutes and thirty seconds were completely Israel's. Like Israel had won the round up until he got taken down, basically. So and then yeah. Jan advanced position. He did really well. He clearly won the round. But I just think that a ten eight in that situation is is overkill for sure. And you know Dana White was saying the same thing. And interestingly enough, I was interviewing Misha Sirkinov yesterday, and uh, I asked him what his score was, and he also had a forty eight forty seven for Israel. He, he he gave Israel the first three rounds. So yeah, I'm starting to think crazy. I'm less and less crazy as I hear more people talk about it because on the night of, so many people were coming after me that I was like, maybe I just I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I, yeah. I and uh, so I, maybe it, maybe it's now confirmation bias. Who knows? But hearing it from you, hearing it from you know people I respect, Robin Black, Misha, a lot of different journalists had it for Israel. So I, I don't know. I uh, I'm starting to now think that you know maybe I'm overcorrecting the steering <laughs> wheel and, and, and getting and maybe I, I have gotten too defensive and I'm I'm trying to learn more about it and finding that maybe I wasn't that far off. Yeah, I think the Twitter world got to there the other day I based guess so. on Justin Gaethje. Yeah. I think Justin Gaethje commented and I seen everybody go off of Gaethje, but Gaethje seemed to be like really going out there trolling people who thought Izzy won for some reason. Like he was out there publicly calling people crazy for thinking Izzy was winning, you know? Yeah, I don't know. it was certainly interesting. But uh, yeah, it's funny. People like Gaethje had commented after the fourth round. And then I had all these people DMing me the next day being like, how could you score the fight 39-36 for Israel? You're crazy. And I was thinking like, 
you obviously are just reading what Gaethje said because that was after the fourth round. Like you can't score, yeah. a, you can't score a five round fight thirty nine thirty six mathematically. It's like yeah, it doesn't, it's make, like it doesn't sense, make any yeah. sense. So it's like yeah. I can't. I'm. I said basically like once that thing happened where Gaethje responded, I was like I'm not responding to anybody. You know, like I'm. I'm obviously like not going to have an emotional response to this. I, I need to take a step back and like be reasonable about this and see why people are so upset rather than exactly. you know, try to try to clap back at people. And I did that, and I feel like I did the right thing there. But uh, let's not make this fight about me. Let's make this fight about the uh, the two combatants. Uh, I think I feel like we've spent enough time talking about ridiculous phantom scoring cards that don't matter. I, I'm not a real judge. I never purported to be a judge, and my scorecard does not matter in the grand scheme of things at all. So uh, yeah, let's your talk opinion about... matters to me, Aaron. Well, so I appreciate that. That means anything. So I appreciate that, but it doesn't have any any. Uh, actual bearing on what happens in reality like my my scorecard is just it's entertainment really it's, yeah it's, i mean that's, but that's the that's the it. fun of the sport so i yeah. think like just like this world we live in you should have the freedom to say who wins and who loses Aaron. <laughs> and if you think izzy wins izzy it's okay yeah you know? but ultimately, you it, doesn't, won. You're ultimately it doesn't matter it's, it's it doesn't yeah. make a difference what i think uh all decisions matter come on <laughs> all right i appreciate it joe i should get a shirt that says that uh yeah <laughs> or, or just one that says 39-37 Israel. 39-37, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, there you go. Or 39-36, I guess it would have been. 39-36. But uh, be that as it may, uh, oh no, maybe it was 39-37. I guess if you add 10, yeah, whatever. Uh, so that fight I thought was a, was a fairly close fight for the first three rounds and Jan ran away with it at the end. If you're scoring pride rules, Jan won that fight, absolutely. I have no problem with Jan winning that fight. I'm not I'm not here to die on the hill of Israel winning that fight. I'm just thinking that maybe my scorecard wasn't all that far off. That being said, in the fight, I thought Israel uh, was was trying to implement a leg a leg kick-based uh, attack mm-hmm. to try to slow Jan like down. Said, it, just yeah. didn't, it just didn't work in the long run. Yeah. I just felt Izzy kind of went away from the kicking a little bit. Maybe it was Jan pressuring the big power. But as I said leading up to the fight, Israel, as a kickboxer with good fight IQ, has to manage distance and chop away, kick the legs, move, evade the power. And I thought he did well doing that in the first two rounds. Maybe it was a little bit like rewatching it, that other fight. Maybe it was Jan playing into that game a little bit, right? Like for Jan to go in there and wrestle right away, that's what Israel was anticipating. That's what everyone was expecting. So maybe the slower start from Jan was the strategic build up, feel the striking, feel the power. But then all of a sudden, I felt like Izzy's low kicks were working and then he stopped going to them. I mean, and then, but again, not going to them could have meant Jan pressuring more, maybe a little bit more scared of the takedown. But I felt that game plan was kind of boycotted a little bit from Izzy. And then he started trying to get a little bit of punch hungry and then got taken down. Yeah, and it seemed like his strategy after the fact when he was talking about it was not to look for a knockout blow. It was to kind of draw out the fight and make it into a kickboxing fight where, where you know, that's obviously his area of expertise. And uh, it just didn't end up paying off. You got a bigger guy um, throwing bigger strikes. And I think that that's really what resonated with the judges is you, you've got a guy who whose strikes look like they're landing harder because Israel was kind of moving back and moving, you know, Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was moving back, and I thought he was blocking a lot of them. And Jan, to his credit, was blocking, was checking a lot of the light kicks, right? So it was a very good defensive back and forth fight uh, early on. But then when you look at the wrestling, of course, that's where the 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 most, I guess, valuable attacks were in the fight was when it, when Jan was able to take him down in the fourth and fifth, keep him down there, and and not not just hold him down, but also um, implement the striking game uh, on the ground and and land significant strikes there. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of good questions were answered in this fight, though. I think that's the important thing we got out of it. I mean, I don't want I don't want people to write off Izzy. I mean, he took the challenge, went for it. But 
I, I personally do think after watching this fight, his decision, and it's not really his decision, it's a time frame. You do need to be a little bit bigger. You do need to be a little bit stronger for these bigger weight classes. So I think the smart move for Izzy next time he wants to move up to 205 is to dominate his middleweight division for a little bit, keep stacking up those title defenses. And then when he's ready, do something like John Jones approaches. Once he feels satisfied with his domination in middleweight, take six months to a year. Get in the weight room, build your strength, increase your calories, get your diet going, and then approach a real good size fight. But personally, I don't know what you looked at. When I was looking at the screen, at some points, I know the angles and TV plays, but Adesanya looked bigger than Jan at some points of the fight. Well, he's taller for sure, but not not bulkier. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he, I think he is taller much, than Jan. To be honest, it didn't look much to me personally. Mm, I, don't know. I didn't I, see he that looked much a lot of wider a to me. I, th I thought that Jan looked yeah. a lot wider. I, I think Jan probably had a good twenty pounds on him on fight night. Uh, oh, for sure, but it more. didn't present itself. It right? Yeah, yeah. Point, it didn't know? look like when he was getting hit, he was getting hit by a much bigger guy, and, and it was really having yeah. that much of an impact. He was just kind of moving back. Not to mention that when you when you look at Paulo Costa uh, in the last fight, Costa probably weighed about two fifteen when they last fought. So yeah. he's probably used to facing guys that are around that size. I would guess Jan was probably in the 220, 225 range. Um, so uh, bigger than what Costa was, but but not that much, right? It, it's not that significant of an amount. Plus, he's been in there with bigger guys in kickboxing. I always thought that the difference was if Jan was going to win this fight, I thought that his best path was to take him down. And when you have that kind of weight on top of you and wrestling isn't your strong suit, it doesn't matter how good you are at scrambling and getting back to your feet. There's a big difference there. Yeah. And what do you think this fight does for Jan now? Do you think it just legitimizes him now as a one, a champion and, and a good contender? Because I think he was really overlooked, you know? 100%. So now this really puts him in a good position. Well, here's the thing. After the fight, he said to Dana White, you didn't believe in me. You're saying along those lines. And Dana White said, well, I never said anything along those lines. But to Jan's credit, there is an implication. Because if you remember when Bisping was the middleweight champion, he was an older guy, he was a guy that nobody expected to become the champion. That's when George St. Pierre zeroed in on him and said, this is a guy I can beat yeah. to help my legacy. I feel mm -hmm. like they did the same thing with Israel. I feel like they saw a 38-year-old champion, a guy that beforehand had been kind of a journeyman, wasn't, wasn't never really a top-five guy up until recently. If you looked at Jan two years ago and said, this guy's going to be a champion one day, nobody would have believed you. Exactly. It's, it's an opportunity. I think that they yeah. looked at it as an opportunity to build up Israel. And whether yeah. they would say that or not, I think that's the implication because you still had light heavyweight challengers. You had lots of them that Jan hadn't fought yet. Jan had never fought Glover. Jan ha had never fought, um, well, he, did he fight Thiago Santos? I can't remember. He, he hadn't fought a lot of these top guys. He hasn't fought Rocket. He hasn't fought yeah. uh, the, the other, you know, there are a lot of challengers at light heavyweight that Jan has not fought yet. So to bring Israel in um, to, to try to take that title, to me, that says... We think that this guy can build a name off of you. And whether you're saying that directly, I think that there's an implicit, you know, uh, an implicit um, implication, I guess, that this is what you're looking to do with, with your new champion who is kind of on the older side. He's not John Jones. He's not a guy that is established uh, as much as a John Jones. You feel like you can build Israel's name off of this guy, and that there's an opportunity there to do yeah, so. Yeah, I agree. I 100%. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I think even on Eugene Behrman's side, you know, it was the thought like it would be stupid not to think that way. Like that, you have to almost think that way. You have Izzy, the superstar, the the right path, the right you know style, the right presentation. So when he has an opportunity like that, you have to make him into a superstar. But I just think it shows that. 
You know, no matter what level you are, it's it's very difficult to be a two division champion. So I just think it shows that those who are two division champions now, you know, like the DCs, the Nunez, the Cejudos, like they're just that much. It just shows how impressive that actually is when someone like Izzy can't go up and, and do it as well and with a Jan who's, you know, he was expected to beat as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the thing about Cejudo becoming a two-division champion, though, is he beat Dominic Cruz to do it. I, I believe. Yeah. No, no, sorry. He beat Mar- Marlon Moraes. Never mind. I'm getting my wires crossed. Marlon Moraes was a decent, was a, was a good competitor. I, sh- I shouldn't. I thought that he had beaten Cruz to become the champion for one second. Obviously, I, my, my memory failed me momentarily there. Um, mm. So, yeah, you're right. I think that when you look at the two-division champions, they've all been kind of established as elite two-division champions. Um, so to, to make that jump is, is hard to do. And... With with Israel uh, losing and Jan winning, it, it just shows how brilliant of a booking it was because I think it really establishes Jan as being legitimate. He beat an, a previously undefeated opponent, even though he was fighting up a weight class. I think we all know how good Israel is, and he beat him yeah. you know, legitimately, unanimous decision. Uh, nobody's really questioning whether or not uh, the right person won that fight. And now you've got you've now built a, a a good name for Jan. This this was a fight where the pay per view numbers report reports came out yesterday. Six hundred thousand uh, on ESPN plus two hundred thousand internationally. Very strong number for a non Connor yeah. pay per view. Uh, so you know I saw a lot of people commenting saying, "Oh, that's not a good number." No, that's a good number. <laughs> you're talking about yeah. you're talking about people watching on an app behind a pay a, a paywall. Six hundred thousand is a great number. Um, yeah, I would say so. So. Now you've got Jan as an established champion. He's going to face Glover Teixeira. Uh, another opportunity for him to, to get another defense, even though I think Glover Teixeira is going to give him uh, a lot of headaches in that fight, or at least has the capacity to give him a lot of headaches in that fight. So I think that they, they ended up doing a, a pretty solid thing because now Israel has something to work towards again. Like I, I think Israel's probably going to want to try to do this again in the future, especially if he can keep cleaning out the middleweight division, because really there's the only guy that he hasn't beaten out of the, the guys right now that are competing to face him again is Darren Till. You got Till versus yeah. Vittori. You got uh, Robert Whitaker taking on Costa. And he's beaten three of those four guys. Yeah. I, he, he's he's going to be a guy who's going to need excitement. And I think we'll probably see him challenge himself into, you know, the 180, uh, the 205 division again. But I'm someone who personally would like to see now, like, a Kamara Usman maybe try to move up and, and like, kind of see interesting fights that way if we're going to talk about pushing people to be two divisions. Because if you think about it, that's almost a good matchup for Kamara, who's wrestling heavy against John Jones. I mean, I think we can give some – I know there are the African brothers and they don't want to compete with each other, but I think something like that, if you're going to – keep building these champ champ statuses. I think Kamaro's at that point where he can try it. Yeah, Usman has said he doesn't want to face uh, Israel. Yeah. Just, just for but, that I mean, reason. They're a, both from Nigeria. Legacy, that's fun, you know? Yeah. That, that would be a fun fight for me. But for sure. Let, and that's... You know, and I'll like tell you, Kamaro's not moving down. <laughs> Kamaro's not yeah, making 155. <laughs> you know. But I bet you he's probably a middleweight compared to most people. Yeah, I mean, he's Kamaro's a big guy. huge. He's a big guy. So I think he could hang there with Izzy for uh, uses wrestling, his pressure. So... I think if we're going to do any more champ champs, that that's the one. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be a great fight. I just don't think that they're going to do it. And I think that Kamaru still has some challenges ahead of him, especially this coming weekend with Leon Edwards. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later yeah. on. Uh, I just think Izzy's going to get bored. Like, who's going to really interest it? Is Izzy again? A Paulo Costa rematch? Maybe for the fans. Whitaker again? He'll he'll be in 205 soon, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think so too. I think that when you run out of people to face at 185, you start looking elsewhere, right? 
But uh, and and really, nobody has been able to establish themselves as a new challenger at 185 over this whole time where Israel's been the champion. You've got Whitaker uh, with two good wins since then, the Cannoneer win and the Darren Till win. So he's probably the front runner if he's able to to beat Costa. Um, I think if Costa beats Whitaker, you still have some good bad blood between Costa and, and Israel. Although I don't think they would make that fight right away. And then yeah. Vittori, I think if Vittori gets a good win over Till, he should be the guy as well. Like he, I think, I think this is the order. This is the pecking order for me. If Whitaker beats Costa, you give Whitaker the shot. If Costa okay. beats Whitaker, you give the winner of Till and Vittori the shot. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's how I, I would book it. And, of course, it depends on how each person wins the fight, too. You don't want to have a stalemate, you know, 48-47 kind of fight. I can't remember if they're both main events. But either way, you don't want to have, like, a really close fight, someone kind of squeaking out a decision and, and not really putting their print on it. But you never yeah. know. Um, let's Could go to... Kevin Holland be a curveball? Kevin Holland? I don't think so. I think he still needs another oh, yeah. one. Yeah, I don't think he's there yet. I don't I don't even know where he's ranked right now. Like, where is Kevin Holland? Ten. Ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. A win over Brunson would be good, but I mean, think of how long ago. Like if he Israel knocks Brunson out in exciting faction, like and say Till doesn't do anything great. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I think he's at least two away mm-hmm. personally, but yeah, just trying to throw something at you there. Yeah, well, that is a new name, right? And Kevin Holland's a a good, exciting fighter, charismatic, can win in a a, a variety of ways, very well rounded. That would be a fun fight. Uh, let's go to the co-main event. Where Amanda Nunes dispatches of Megan Anderson in very, very short, fa- very, very quick fashion. Yeah. Did you see the video of Megan Anderson entering the arena? Uh, no, I did not. You need to go find this video of her wa- when they showed her walk again. She looked Is like it there was an intimidating. She walk? looked like there was a ghost like behind her. Like, like, yeah. and I don't know. I don't want to pin someone's emotions on them. I don't. And I mean, listen, if you're going in to face Amanda Nunes. You should be nervous. Like this, this isn't this isn't an indictment of Megan uh, Anderson. Yeah, if you're I facing Amanda so. Nunes, the greatest of the the consensus greatest of all time, who finishes people quickly, you should yeah. be nervous. But yeah. man, like I have not seen a walkout like this where, like it, it honestly looked like there was a ghost following her into the arena. It was like okay. she looked she looked shook. But. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now she's come out and said this week she's no longer with the promotion right now. Like, I mean, yeah, her contract I just saw is expired. That. I was ask you about that. She wasn't released, but her contract was expired, and she believes that the division is going to be kaput soon. But, so, what's, uh, what's a move for a 145 female right now? A move? Oh, like, where can she yeah, go? Yeah, what's, what's the move? Like, where, where can she fight? Where can she continue? I think, her she should go to, I think she'll go to Bellator. I think the fight okay. with Cyborg is still a big fight. Uh, I think she said she doesn't want to go back to Invicta. I think Bellator is really the only landing spot for her then. Okay. And yeah, I guess there's the PFL. Sense. She could she could go to the PFL and make 150 and fight at 155. She's big. Okay. Like she cuts Thank a good you. amount of weight to make 145. Yeah. I mean, I, I I legitimately thought her size and frame would have given her a big chance. I honestly legitimately did. Mm-hmm. One of my parlays going into this fight was thinking she would at least make it over the second round. Yeah. I thought she would I, at least be able to survive. I mean, I didn't have a lot of faith, but you, you know, you see a big line like that. I, I actually, I actually liked the Nunez by submission prop um, at, okay. at two to one, and that ended up working out. But uh, I, I thought that, yeah, I, I thought that Nunez was either going to knock her out or was going to submit her. And I thought that the submission was more likely because Megan's pretty tough when it comes to the striking element. But we saw Felicia Spencer submit her, and I, I just thought that if it got to the ground, me uh, that Nunez would probably look for that as her attack, as her more likely path to victory against her on the ground. Because yeah. Nunez, Nunez has really slick submissions. She just doesn't use them all that often. 
Yeah, why why need him when you can knock people out? You know, like yeah. it's just she's she's incredible. I I think she's gonna be unbeaten. She'll get off and sail on the sunsets undefeated with two belts. Well, she's been defeated, I mean, but you mean as a champion? Like she'll, she'll as a champion, lose, yeah, yeah she'll leave with her belts intact, right? Yeah. She's not gonna be that champion that gets defeated and then kind of leaves the sport. I think she'll leave, you know, nice, healthy with two belts. Well, I mean, family. you'd like to look at it and say. This person is coming up and is going to give her problems. I just don't see anybody. Like, I just don't see – if you look at the the bantamweight division, I mean, right now, uh, first off, I've got to commend Juliana Pena for making this into, like, a real, you know, a real beef like, out of beef. nowhere, like yeah. a real fabricated yeah, beef. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Juliana Pena's got this little bit of crazy that I kind of love about her. But, uh, yeah, but she's – She's going to get that title shot. I think that it makes sense at this point, even though she lost recently to Duranda May. There's really not a fresh challenger in that division aside from Pena. And with Holly yeah. Holm falling off that fight, it makes a lot of sense to give Pena that fight. Uh, she's just kind of right place, right time, right name, because, she, again, she's never fought Nunez before. And uh, I've, I've got to just hand it to her for being so uh, forthright with calling out Nunez because you just don't see that very often. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just think with, like, with Nunez there, it's like, it's the fear. And so whoever calls her out almost gets the fight. Like if you put your hand up and be like, Hey, I'll fight her. Oh, well, go for it. Yeah, you know? It's not a big to... list. Yeah, you know? exactly. Whoever volunteers ends up getting the fight with Nunez, which is, you know, it's, it's a big task. That's yeah. why you get it. And realistically, the, the person that I think is, is next in line should be Duranda May, except Nunez beat her so yeah. recently that it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm eager to see what ends up happening with, uh, with that particular fight. I think that, um, that fight will get booked probably for May, if I had to guess, because right now they don't really have a main event available in May. The only ones that I think could make sense for May now is is Nunez taking on uh, Pena, and then we'll see how Aljamain's doing, right? Because there's Dion and Aljamain needs to get rebooked. Yeah, but I mean, if Aljamain was finished with a concussion like that and a headshot, you got to think at least a two three month suspension, right? Yeah, you know, Wait, so like he's, he's trying to get this back. Yeah, he, they're looking at that. I don't know how they're going to be able to gauge that. And he, you know, he, I think Aljamain is saying all the correct things this week. Like, he, you know, his friends wanted him to wanted him to celebrate becoming a champion. He wasn't super comfortable with it, but you know what? He did it more for his friends and family. Listen, if you yeah. win the belt, that's the that's the biggest thing that can happen to you in your career, no matter how it happens. And fr- and people want to take pictures with the belt. They want to take pictures with their friends who's a champion. They want to celebrate you. Of course. So you still I, went in. You still fought. Yeah, right. I agree. I gave Jan all three rounds uh, into the fourth round. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I heard John McCarthy say maybe maybe you go to the scorecards. You know, Mark Smith shouldn't be going around and saying it's going to be a disqualification. I disagree with that. I honestly – I know big John McCarthy's more well-versed on this. But that was a – but listen, if Mark Smith didn't say grounded opponent out loud, yeah, then you can say, well, you can question the intent of it. He well, the said, Russian accent, a little bit of the Russian, right? It doesn't matter. Honestly, he knows what it means. The referee said something. When you've got an opponent down and the referee says something, if you know the rules of, of mixed martial arts, with Pyotrion has to know the, yeah. the rules of mixed martial arts. He hasn't yes, fought in okay. one championship where, down the, where grounded opponents can get hit. Okay, he has yeah. to know the rules. And yeah, if he doesn't yeah. know the rules, somebody who knows Russian that can instruct him on the rules has to tell him the rules. And if his coach says you can hit him there, the coach is wrong. The coach should be up to date on the rules. That yeah. was as blatant uh, an illegal strike as you can throw during a fight. It was one of the biggest lapses in judgment that I've ever seen from a fighter that's up that many rounds in a fight. Yeah. Like, he had to know that he was up. He also had to know that Aljamain was going to 
um, lose the fight eventually on the feet. I think that he would have knocked Aljamain out in the fourth or fifth. Yeah, he was heading there. It was to me. It was mind-boggling that he kept letting Aljamain Sterling lay on the ground so he could kick the legs. Let him stand up. You're getting the better yeah. of him on the feet. Let the man stand up and 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 do what you're continuing to do. Uh, continue doing what you were doing. So yeah. uh, that's the part that that boggled my mind, and I think that that. that um, mentality for him, where he was letting Aljamain play around on the ground, that is what cost him the fight. Yeah. Get the fight yeah. back on the feet. He was he was yeah. picking him apart on the feet. He was landing the better yeah. shots. Aljamain was tired. Don't play that game. Don't play the cat and mouse game. I know he was saying it's going to be a cat chasing a mouse. It, it ended up being that. It ended up being a cat chasing a mouse during <laughs> during the fight when when it was on the ground. He let Aljamain play around, and it ended up costing him the fight. And I think that that's the thing that people aren't talking about with this fight is that Piotr Jan showed a lapse in judgment by throwing the strike, but it, as big of a lapse in judgment and just not letting the fight get back to the feet. Let the yeah. ref stand him up. You can do that. You can move out of the way, tell the ref to stand him up. Stand him up. Yeah, especially when it's at a point where it's so, like, I don't know, like, especially if you're winning and someone's playing that three-point stance game, like, let him stand up and then beat him up again. Why do we have to play that little inch game, you know? Like, no, let him up, play the game. And I agree. I mean, it's just... A foul is a foul. I think the biggest mistake would have been if Aljamain decided to continue to fight again. And the fact that people are putting this on Aljamain kind of bothers me because it's not his fault. Do you expect a guy in his big opportunity in this world who just takes a shot? People who fought know that every time you get hit in your head, it doesn't take as much force to cause as much damage. So now it could have maybe taken a jab after that and then Aljo's out again. Why would he put the risk, the opportunity, the years, everything at that moment? I agree with what Rogan said. The decision should never be down to the fighter itself who got hit. It's the referee at that point has to make that decision because now you're looking at a champion who spent his whole life to earn this spot is now looking out, looking like a, a not a real fighter. Where's your warrior spirit? You know, like that that's stupid to me. It's a sport. You know, he fought, he won the game based on the rules. He didn't make up these rules. He got a bad foul, which kind of injured him to continue to the fight. So whether he could have continued to fight, could he have continued to fight? For sure. But why would he? You know, you're, you're, you're compromised at this point. You're already losing. So I hate that the fans are kind of bashing him. And I just read an article now. He's telling everyone to shut the F up because I think it's really starting to bother him. And I agree with him. Well, here's the thing. If, if you are going to go to the scorecards, you also have to remember that the referee's going to take two points away for that. Like, yeah, that's if, my if, other point. If it's yeah. going to go to the scorecards, it's not going to go to the scorecards based on where the fight's at at that point in time. There was still an illegal strike no. thrown, yeah. and the referee still has foul. to take two points away, at least, yeah. at least one point. And if, yeah, you're away, sure. if you're taking away two points at that stage in the game, and you're looking at where the scorecards are at at that point in time, even if you do have to score the fourth round. So the, the, judge, the scorecards came out. It was 29-28, 29-28 for Jan, 29-28 for Aljo. So let's say that everybody gave Jan that round. So okay. now you've got 39-37, 39-37, and um, 30, I guess it would have been 38-38. 30, I don't know if my math is off on that. So it was 29-28. Do you have 10-9? Yeah, 38-38. So, so okay. take two points away. Now it's 38-36 for Aljo on one card. And then the other card was 39-37. It ends up being a majority draw. It ends up being 37-37, 37-37, and 38-36. So it ends so up being a majority draw. draw. Yeah. And, but the, and, the, at that and point, then Yon would have kept the title. Stays, kept yeah. The title, yeah. But that being said, 
I still think that the right decision was made. It, you can you lose the belt on a disqualification. If you have a loss, you lose. It's not a no contest. That wasn't a no contest situation because it was it was a, an intentional blow. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't typically see a no contest declared after a, uh, an illegal strike, right? Yeah. We saw Anthony yeah. Johnson lo- lose a fight by eye poke because the referee didn't didn't say it was an intentional strike when he lost to Kevin Burns. It's considered to this day one of the worst decisions ever. Yeah. So I, I mean, think, Anthony Smith continuing just kind of gave the opposite, and look what happened with Anthony Smith. Yeah, then, you know, never got a title, took a next fight after, ended up losing that one again. So now he's in this big opportunity where he probably could have made hundreds of thousands of dollars extra, his career with another title fight opportunity, another main event. So I mean, Aljo's right. What's the worst going to happen? He rematches Jan again. Jan wasn't a 10-time defending champion where the loss meant really was crazy. He gets a rematch, beat him up again. You were dominating. And it creates another fight, more money, another main event. So um, I I think uh, Aljo made the right decision. And I think That's not Jan even a decision to be... make. It's not a deci- yeah. He says he doesn't remember doing the interview afterwards. He was out. Yeah. Like, listen, Fair. I don't yeah. think anybody has the right to say this guy was faking it. This guy was embellishing. Good. Who cares? Good. Who can, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if he was or not. He got hit with an illegal strike. He felt like he couldn't Still continue. Right. It's not a matter of toughness. It, it, we're talking about concussions here. We're talking about life-changing yeah. ramifications. Damage. Damage, yes. yeah. If, if he would have continued and got knocked out, are we going to be praising the guy? We're going to be saying he, shouldn't have, he had no business continuing is what would have happened yeah. if he would have continued. And what would we have said in a year? Oh, do you remember when Jan knocked out Aljamain exactly. Silver? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aljamain Sterling, sorry. Yeah. I mean, crazy. I mean, and so was, at that point, that's what it is. No, I just, I just think fans are just being trolls right now, and like they're, I feel they're bad really for good at. I really do. I really Me feel too. bad for him because he is Me taking too. he he is taking the blame on this, and for no reason. He did he yeah. didn't throw the knee. He was he was a yeah. downed opponent. He got hit with a, and that was a big shot, man. Like that that okay. that didn't look like it was a, a glancing blow. That was a serious knee to the head. Yeah, I just think people were mad at the picture of him celebrating. But what do you want him to do? His family, his friends are there to kind of lift him up, trying to cheer him up, saying, hey, man, it's okay. But I just think his actions in the ring of kind of dropping the belt, not wanting to take the pictures, then you see him celebrating after with it. I think it throws people off. But that's his decision. That's the way he's coping with it. He's still the champion. Let the man do his thing. 100%. Um, and I feel bad. I, I honestly, he's been doing the kind of an interview tour this week. Talking to everybody, just I feel like he's doing it just because he needs to get it out. Like he he yeah. needs to get his feelings yeah. out there, and I don't blame him for doing that. And listen, he's the champion. Good on him. Yeah. He's gonna make more money for his next fight. Um, that everybody's saying, oh well, Sohudo's gonna come in and no, he's not. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. make the rematch with Jan. They're not gonna they're not gonna big time do that. And I mean, yeah. we see the odds now. <laughs> Remember me talking about this last week? <laughs> it was like an even money fight last week. Now it's like minus two fifty for Jan. I feel yeah. anybody. First off, if you would have bet Sterling. Um, at the time of that loss, that's like the biggest underdog, like probably comeback. He was like plus twenty two hundred or something at that point yeah, in time, yeah. like twenty two to one. Made some good money. Made some good yeah. money. Could have made some good money, but yeah. like we said in the beginning of the show, all decisions matter, Aaron. All decisions <laughs> matter. Yeah. Well. So let's respect the man. Let him do his thing. Let's see a rematch, and uh, I'm sure you know it'll be hopefully just as exciting and continues to be a good fight. And I hope that if they find that he has any sort of adverse damage from uh, a head injury or something along those lines, like a concussion, give the guy the time that he needs to recover also. Like, yeah, yeah for that's, sure. 
that's the kind of thing where, like, if he has a bad concussion, he might not fight again, right? Like, we're not talking yeah. about this is no joke here. I mean, yeah. you, you know from experience about when you walked exactly. away from the game, right? Like, yeah, and this that is was a my serious title fight as well. Yeah, you know, that was a you world were the title fight. With you walked away as the champion. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's tough. I mean, uh, decisions, but the right was uh, decision was made. If I'm Jan, I'm hyping it up. If I'm Jan, I'm being like, look at you posting pictures. If Jan, build the fight, man. It's yeah. just going to be more excitement, more eyes. Play the angle that you know Sterling is a punk. Sterling, look at him taking pictures with my belt. Play it, play it, play it, man. Build your name, make some money, and make that bantamweight dis- yeah. the division exciting. But that being said, if if that if that blow was bad enough that he would that. Aljamain would walk away from the game, and I'm not suggesting he necessarily would, of course, but what do you think is, like, his legacy would be tarnished. People would be saying, yeah. oh, the guy's a quitter, he doesn't want to give, he doesn't want to lose yeah. to Jan, and blah, blah, blah. Everybody, nobody takes seriously the impact, the long-term impacts of the sport. I wouldn't yeah. say nobody. A lot of people don't don't give enough credit yeah. to what these what these fighters go through, and what they have to deal with, and the kind of injuries that they, they leave themselves susceptible to, and, and when you see a knee like that to a, a downed opponent, a, a blatant knee, and listen, you you hear Mighty Mouse come out afterwards and say, "Oh, that you shouldn't be allowed to be in that stance. You, the, those kind of strikes should be legal. Should be is different than are because if yes. it, if it was yes. legal, Aljamain would have defended himself. Right? Exactly, he would have, he would have had def- a system, he w- a way of blocking it. He wouldn't have been yeah. in that position. He would have he would have been trying to block it. Yeah. He would have been trying to get out of that position so he didn't get hit with that knee to come out and say, "Oh, that should be that should be a legal strike. People shouldn't be allowed to stall a fight like that. <laughs> they are allowed to. So let's yeah. not like." Don't. I'll give you a funny don't example. Don't try to diminish. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say the stupid example we always get. If you lose, someone will lose in kickboxing. Like, well, if there was elbows in the clinch, I would have yeah. beat you. But hey, there's yeah, no elbows, there no in, elbows in the clinch. There's no headbutt. So you didn't, and there's yeah. no headbutt. If you could bite me, you probably would have done well yeah. too. But there's not. There's rules, you know. Yeah. If there were elbows and headbutts, Dave LaDuc could end up being like one of the best kickboxers uh, in the there world right now. There you go. But there's not, and that's why he's in Lethway, and he's not fighting kickboxing because he couldn't kickbox with us. So. He has his own rule set, which makes him good. Yeah. That's why there's rules. Yeah, and, so, and, and yeah. not it's not to say that he wouldn't be a good kickboxer, but he wouldn't be the yeah. best kickboxer most likely. And he's yeah. found a, a rule set and skill set that that works for yeah. him, and that's great. And he's one of the biggest stars uh, in where is it Singapore or whatever? Where, where uh, Myanmar. Ma- Myanmar. Yeah, Myanmar. Yeah. Myanmar. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think with Jan, I just want like. As a fighter, as someone in his situation, I think when, when people say the word intentional foul, like it was intentional, but like it, it wasn't in his head that I want to knee him in the face. He's in battle. He's in war. He's in a situation where a world title's on the line. His, when you're in focus in a fight, you don't really have – you can't really thought process what's going on. Like I mean, yes, you've done it. Yes, you've been there. Yes, you have experience. Yes, you know the rules, but – in the heat of battle, sometimes it's it's a reaction, it's a thing, it's a, it's like there's so many times we've seen someone hit someone after the belly. Like you don't mean to, it's not in your mind to do it. It's just the moment you got caught up in it. Is it intentional? Yes. Like if soccer, I try to explain to one of my friends, like soccer, if someone kicks the ball at you in the penalty box, you're gonna kind of flinch to block it and lift your hand up. You're like, oh, oh it's a penalty shot now. Do you know what I mean? It's like what happened now? But it's like it's a reaction that. You just don't think of sometimes. So I don't want to say he's a bad person for it, but it still was an illegal strike more than like an intentional strike. I kind of want to – that language I think uh, is a little confusing. How about Islam Makhachev? Uh, Damn, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess he was that big of a favorite for a reason. Um, you know, my, my idea as an edge play was the decision prop, and we were oh so close to getting it. But 
to, to finish somebody with shoulder pressure like that, a guy as tough as Drew Dober, like, I don't think people are, 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 are talking about that enough. Like, he, yeah. he, he got a submission with just shoulder pressure. Like against Dober's the guy, big. Like, Dober's big. His main training partner is Justin Gaethje, so you got to imagine the guy takes a beating in 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 practice from time to time. He finished him with shoulder pressure. Yeah, like I when mean, you look at the, the, it says officially arm deal. triangle choke. That wasn't arm triangle choke. That was just putting his shoulder into his neck. Yeah, just deep, solid wrestling pressure. That, yeah, you know, Dagestani pressure. Like it, it was insane. He looked good. I mean, I just hope he's. Uh, you know, he looks like he's going to perform the way that people are talking. And they really want him big fights. The, the fight everyone's wanting is him versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Is that too much for him now or is he ready? Well, if I'm Ferguson, I'm not signing that fight. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. That's not, not, to, not a knockout. To fight out. someone that down that, yeah. that low, is that why? Yeah, yeah like, someone that low. A risk, that's a risky, risky fight. Yeah. And a not, it could be a really drowning fight for him too where he won't be able to showcase – what he wants to do. Yeah, so we're yeah, talking I don't three think in a row for Ferguson right now. He's on the verge of losing three straight. Yeah. You got to well, give him I a mean, stylistic matchup that's more suited to him. You, he, he, he should want to face somebody that's going to stand with him and, and strike with like him versus like Rafael Dos Anjos, like a rematch between perfect. those two. Yeah. Good fight. Something that's like the that. kind of thing yeah. that he should be looking for. A, a fight with Islam Makhachev is the last thing that Tony Ferguson should want. And it's not a knock on Tony Ferguson or his skills. It's just when you have a, a, a guy who's ranked lower than you, that's got all this momentum, that uh, you know, a lot of people are, are saying could it, could be a you know a champion one day. You're going to be an underdog in that fight, even though you're the higher ranked fighter. That's like the last thing you want if yeah. you've lost two in a row. Yeah, but is uh, the UFC priority now probably isn't building Ferguson anymore? It's about building Makachev. So depends. See how much they like Tony Ferguson or not, right? Yeah, right. So if they value Tony Ferguson as a contender again, they'll give him that more favorable matchup, build his name, or they throw him to the wolves. But we know. Tony Ferguson's going to want the biggest, the toughest, the baddest fight, and he'll probably want Makachev. You know what I would do if I was Tony Ferguson? I would ask for Nate Diaz at 170 pounds. Like that's and I'm that's sold. the that's the sold. kind of fight that I I think Tony Ferguson uh, Ferguson should get next. Deserves deserves. He's, he's been he a good soldier that. for the UFC, man. Like deserves. I know he's been difficult to deal with sometimes, and he yeah. doesn't want to fight Chandler on short notice and all that stuff. Whatever. Have yeah, him face Nate Diaz, that, uh, Nate Diaz at 170 pounds. They're at the same stage in their career for the most part right now. That's the fight to the make. The press conference would be incredible. Be awesome. Tony Ferguson in gloves and his balls, uh, his yeah. baseball. You know, Nate Diaz coming in late, smoking his CBD mm-hmm. joints. That would be fun. Now, apparently, they, this is one that surprises me. They apparently offered Nate Diaz the fight with Leon Edwards. I, if I was Nate Diaz, I would have taken that fight. Like, yeah. <laughs> eh, I don't think Edwards has a big enough name for him. Doesn't that, yeah, but then he becomes a top three welterweight if he wins. Yeah. And But the, does he care about that? Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know what he cares about. I don't know what he wants. You hear the interviews. <laughs> he of the knows. Yeah, he wants Charles Oliveira, but he wants to fight Charles Oliveira at 170 pounds, which is like yeah. Charles Oliveira is a former featherweight. Like, I, like, I just don't understand. Yeah. yeah, the Diaz's will be the Diaz. Yeah, he'll do what he wants and we'll all watch. Yeah, it seems, like he, it seems like he asks for fights that they would never make. Like, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the weird thing about it. He like asks to fight relevant. guys. At the division that he wants to, he doesn't want to fight at 55, but he wants to fight the top 55ers at 170. Like it just, yeah. it does nothing makes for anybody. His own rules up. Yeah. yeah, he makes his own rules, his own yeah. division. Yeah, that's what makes him thing. him, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it. Or else he won't take it. Give it to me or don't, you know, and we end up paying for it. Rakish Santos, kind of a uh, an uneventful affair for the most part. Um, yeah. I thought that uh, 
Rakic still looks good. I mean, he fought the kind of fight that he should fight to be the Tiago Santos. He didn't put himself at risk, outpointed yeah. him. And I think that's kind of the fight you have to fight against Tiago Santos if you want to beat him. Yeah, I mean, not the most exciting, but like I said, uh, leading up to that fight, Rakic is one guy that I really think will be a contender soon. I like his style, his use of his kicks, uh, his personality, and I just think that Serbian toughness in him uh, is going to take him far. Austrian toughness, you know, he's from Austria, but he is Serbian. Are you sure? Yeah, he's oh, from okay. he's from Austria. Right. But he's like, they're talking about Serbian. Come yeah, because he's training like, with Kokop and stuff. My, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, because I know a little bit about the the, Yukos- the ex Yugoslavia, and mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, Serbia. So I was excited to see him because there's two Serbians on the card, I believe. On this past card? Yeah, yeah, there was there that was, Medic uh, as well, Uros right, Medic, yeah. who's from who's and from he Alaska. Did good too. He, yeah, he did <laughs> he awesome. Great, yeah. He that undercard was was, was really. Phenomenal. That, Something that, the special. Yeah, all finishes except what one? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, no. 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 There, there were like, there were a lot of decisions actually, but they were good fights. There were decisions on the Cruz early Kenny. prelims. Oh, the on early, early prelims, prelims. There was one decision. There yeah. was one decision on, and there yeah. was a lot of early prelims. Yeah, there was uh, that that Kennedy uh, Kennedy and Zechiku against Alberg was a great fight. Oh, I think yeah, that one right, fight of the I, night. Yeah, it did. Alberg just uh, left his chin on a platter. It was it was anticipated. Well, they showed that. Good, the, the, strong, the problem with but... the commentary is like these guys are really sharp early on, but as the night goes on, they get tired. <laughs> like it's it's like a fighter yeah, yeah, go, sure. heading into the fifth round, right? Like, so yeah. they get they catch a lot of flack for how they uh they were they were talking about that main event, but like I thought you they were, were dead on when they were yeah. talking about Enzechaku versus Alberg. Like they they had some really good analysis. They they showed that in the replay. They showed Alberg's head being really high and and, and using kind of the shield and and how that yeah. made a big impact in the fight. Yeah, I, I just think I'm, I'm with the, the commentators. It's exhausting, man. You know how many fights you're calling? 15. That's tiring. 15 fights. Is a, yeah. That's a lot of fights. 15-minute fights and then mm-hmm. three world championship fights. Yeah. So, like, Mauro Ronaldo would always tell me, he's like, Joe, don't waste all that energy on those prelims, my man. Don't waste <laughs> that energy. Pace yourself out. You need Save that energy for the main event when you need it. Yeah, but so, Mauro's a superhuman, so, I mean. <laughs> uh, he, he's, like, those guys there, like, I talked to Mauro before the show, like, and we're going just like, hey, Mauro, how are you, man? You want to go for breakfast? It's He's on air 24-7. So even <laughs> when he's talking to you, it sounds like he's, Oh, yeah, you know, I, was, I was his around. producer. Yeah, he'd so come into the office, he'd be like, Aaron, what's going on, my man? Going to be an awesome yeah. day today. Like, he's just, he's like, always on. Like, where's the camera? Like, yeah. Where's the camera? Is he on? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, fantastic, uh, fantastic prelims. Sean, uh, Sean Brady, we called him out. He's something special. Yeah, Sean Brady looks like he's the real deal. That was a really big win over Jake Matthews. Um, you know, I think that if, pe- if you ask people how Matthews was going to beat Brady, it would be on the ground. But uh, I think they uh, you know, vastly underestimated how good Brady was there. So uh, good yeah. on him. He's, he's now ranked. Uh, Hamza Shemaev is out of the welterweight rankings, and uh, Sean Brady is in. Mm. All right, well, he looked good. Still reminds me of uh, Gavin Tucker, who's fighting this upcoming week. But uh, looks like I'm big and strong, technical. There was one name he was supposed to fight. I bet you you would know right away. Brady? Uh, they were mentioning Bilal it on Muhammad. broadcast. Bilal Muhammad. Yes, the Bilal Muhammad. And they were asking, I was like, if they're matching him up against Bilal, like, you're looking at a kid that they're really, you know, could be in the top 10, top 5 kind of fights. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he just needs a couple more. That's all it takes. Uh, Dominic Cruz got that nice win over Casey Kenny. Split decision shouldn't have been a split decision. I, th- I thought Cruz won all three rounds actually. Um, yeah, good fight. I agree. Uh, Kyler Phillips beat so- Song Yudong. That was a-, a good one as well. Good competitive that was fight. Fine, yeah. Kyler Phillips looks really good, man. I, you know, I- I've always uh, been high on him back when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. I thought him and Bryce Mitchell had so much potential. 
And uh, yeah. Phillips kind of flamed out a little bit, ended up going back to the regional scene, came back to the UFC, and now he looks like a just a totally rejuvenated fighter with so much upside. Yeah. My question to you is, uh, with the Benavidez fight, is uh, Askar Askarov just that good, or Benavidez has to think about maybe an exit strategy or some different types of fights? Well, Benavidez, do he does a podcast with Megan Olivi. They do. It's called At Home with Ben Olivi, and they just, they just released it yesterday. I would recommend you listen to it, actually. It's basically just Joe okay. talking about what happened in the fight and you know okay. why it went the way that it went. And uh, basically what he said was... Uh, I showed up, and I, he's like, I showed up that day, and I just didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any excitement. I didn't feel, um, you know, I, I I wasn't worried about the fight at all. I, you know, I wasn't, I had no issues going into it or anything. He's like, I had a great training camp. He's just on the day of, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself up for it. I didn't feel threatened by by Askarov at any point in time. He's like, I, I thought that he, you know, he fought better than me, and I just, He's like, I just couldn't get started. I couldn't get started. Yeah. And, I, and he's like, I just didn't really feel like I was in a fight. I didn't feel like I, like being there. And he kind of, uh, he it was just very honest. And that's what I love about Benavidez. He's just he's a very honest, yeah. forthright guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And he's not afraid to um, be critical of, of him, himself and be self-aware. He's got a self-awareness yeah. that I don't think a lot of fighters have because he's been in the game for so long. Uh, but I would recommend listening to the podcast because um, – and I don't know how Megan does it because she's – Megan's an interviewer by nature. Like, she's she's great at asking questions. She just let Joe go. She's like – she doesn't have any follow-up questions for him. I mean, obviously, they're married, right? So it's a little bit of a different yeah. dynamic. But my instinct when Joe's talking is like, I, I want to ask him a follow-up. I have questions I want to ask. She's just like – she just lets him go. She knows he's going yeah. to get to what he has to say. And Let she's just, she's yeah. she's just uh, she's a great podcast host also <laughs> like she's very yeah. talented I gotta say I'm uh, Benavides is one of my favorite fighters and and it comes from seeing him and talking to him outside of the sport um, outside and training the way people look at him the way people talk about it I'm a big Benavides fan but even when he fights. Like, you're telling me right now, he may have said he looked flat, he came out flat, but Benavides scraps. Like, mm. he'll sit in there, he took some big shots, came back, you know, pressures, took a hit, doesn't care, keeps coming forward. Like, Benavides comes to fight for a nice, small, calm, you know, respectful guy. He scraps, he brings the heat, you know, regardless of the way he's feeling. So, I just want him to leave the sport in, in a healthy manner, you know, and I think uh, he will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we got to remember that like two of his last three fights, his opponent haven't haven't made weight, right? So that that makes that yeah. makes a difference as well. Yeah. And Figueredo was what two of the last three, right? Yeah, Five well, twice. Figueredo made weight that one time, right? But the yeah. first time he missed weight. So like you know yeah. you got to take that into account. And it's not that not that Figueredo wouldn't have won that fight regardless, but you know it's it still makes a difference when you have an opponent that misses weight. But uh, and Askarov looks like the real deal. Askarov looks like a really good fighter. But yeah, it was just I interesting agree. hearing Benavidez kind of explain why he lost in the way that he did. He just said he couldn't get, he just, it didn't feel like a fight day. He said the atmosphere inside of the empty apex wasn't doing it for him. He just liked having enough. the fans to feed off of. And he just felt like it just didn't feel like a fight to him. Yeah. He's a, he's a vet. He'll come back, stay focused. And I just think he's surrounded with so many good people. They won't steer him the wrong way. So yeah, mm -hmm. let's keep going. Benavides. And Kai Kara France beats uh, Rogerio Bontarine. Everybody talks that's about how Herb Dean is the best referee in the sport. He had, like what was he doing there at the end of that fight? Like he was he never called yeah. the fight. The the guy were sitting nobody knew if the fight was over. Like he never waved yeah. it off. You got to wave the fight off. Yeah, that was one of the questionable ones and then one where Mark Smith let it go way too long on one. I don't remember which one that was. You know what? I know which one you're talking about. It was uh It was an earlier prelim, wasn't it? 
where it's like yeah. they weren't stopping that fight. He let that thing. It was Medish versus it was Medish versus Alan Cruz. But I I don't blame him for not stopping that. Honestly, I was watching it, and Alan Cruz was moving. He was doing exactly what the ref was telling him to do, and he was taking yeah. a lot of damage in the process. But he kept moving. He kept shooting takedowns. He kept blocking. Like he was he was he was in it. He took a lot of shots and a lot of damage, and the, and it's not to say that Mark Smith should shouldn't uh, like shouldn't have let it keep going or or couldn't have stopped it. He definitely could have stopped it, but he the, he was listening to everything that Mark Smith was saying. He was saying, "Keep moving, fight back, defend," and Cruz was doing everything that was asked of him. And so I can't really blame yeah. Mark Smith in that spot. That's a judgment call. There's a lot of times where refs take um get, take a lot of criticism. For things that I think are just a judgment call, like when you're in it in the in the fight, it's easy in hindsight to look back and say, "Well, I should have stopped it." Blah blah blah. Should have, sure, yeah. you know, Herb Dean should have been in better position when you know Blades got hit by Derek Lewis. But those things happen in milliseconds. Like those are hard things to um, adjust to. This one with Kai Franz and Bontarine, like I just don't know what Herb was doing. I don't know what he was thinking. It seemed like he wanted to keep the fight going. Bontarine was totally out of it, and he just never waved off the fight. And then it was right at the end of the round, so there was no clarity as to whether or not the fight was going to continue. Nobody knew what was going on. Like you need to assert yourself in that situation. That's your job as a referee. Yeah, no, I agree. When it when it comes to refereeing, I'm going to say the best in ring referees, in my opinion, are Muay Thai referees. Um, if you watch any Muay Thai referees, and I, you'll see them in one. I think there was an example in one FC the other day. You will see the referee, if the fighter gets hit and they're getting dropped, the referees dive. Like yeah, literally right baseball there. cats dive. Boom. Catch the fighter's head. Like, they, And then they protect them. They're in their face. They're holding them. They're not just watching. They're watching the guy get smashed four more times. They are right in their face. They're holding their head. They caught them from falling out the ropes. Like they treat because you got to think just as they fight, these guys are probably refing fights every single day, right. all yeah. day. Right. So they're so experienced to know. And there were probably ex-fighters who have 200 Muay Thai fights. So they know what shot, the damage, what's going to happen. They can anticipate the falls. Like... Muay Thai referees and they catch their heads sometimes. I see them fall, and the referee catches them. The best, yeah. He they dive like a baseball, yeah. and catch the head but on their hand. I'll like, say that. Let insane. me know if you agree with me on this. Muay Thai is a very stiff sport. Like, there's not a ton of movement. They're they're kind of always in the pocket. They're, they're a little more patient. Yeah, yeah. more patient. They're, they're, they're move, their lateral movement's a lot slower. Whereas in mixed martial arts, if you're out of position, you're gonna like be behind a takedown and get like you know. Oh you're, yeah, and you're and you're loud, grounded strikes and stuff yeah. like that. But a lot of times though. The referees you'll see, like if you're going to translate the Muay Thai referee to, to MMA, like how many times have we seen referees basically dive in front of the guy? Like like dive. Like they'll tackle the guy on top because one shot is too many. It one extra shot. Time. Yeah, it happens Yeah, they kind of dive. They tackle or they kind of jump on the arms. Like that's why I think like a John McCarthy, a uh, – I think Jason Herzog is really good. Oh, Dan yeah, Mergliata? Dan Mergliata, someone who's big, you almost need to be big as well. Like, if, if this Francis Herb Ligano's Dean's in big, there, you got to, like, stop. Yeah, they're big. He knows it. So, I mean, we've seen Herb jump in, mm -hmm. I mean, a couple of times. I'm just saying it's more of, like, we need that kind of passion from your referees to kind of save the fighter. It's not about, oh, I'm just doing my job. Like, be there for the guys. Care about yeah. them all. And, and I wouldn't know? accuse Herb Dean of not feeling that way. No, just, no, no. He no, just no, gets confused not. sometimes. I feel like just sometimes he just he looks baffled. Like, and, he, and, he, yeah. and he makes weird judgment calls. And I, I think that um, I would just like to see him, you know, be a little bit more assertive sometimes. Yeah.
it's just you know what they it's like, for me to say I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at do. home i'm not protecting lives yeah. right like it's i mess up on commentary i mess up my words when i'm talking to you here like i stumble all the time yeah. like it happens it's part of your job is to mess up but sometimes the problem is your job messing up could really impact someone else's life so Try your best to be so hyper-focused when you're in that cage that you need to be in that zone. That's that's my only request. Mm-hmm. You know, Be in that zone. You're allowed to make mistakes, but one mistake can mean this fighter can't make a living anymore. And then the next weekend, you're calling fights again yeah. because you had a, a mental lapse of judgment. We got to be on. You got to treat it like every fight's a world title fight and you need to be spot on. Get more referees if that's the case. You know, Only do one or two fights a night where you're so dialed in something mm-hmm. but yeah i don't want to see guys getting hurt and have to leave the sport obviously well i want to touch uh, on how big of a month this is from here till the end of march for canadian mixed martial arts uh you've got three of the top canadians in the ufc competing this weekend in uh, charles jordan misha Serkinov, and gavin tucker you've yeah. got you've got uh cffc on friday aaron jeffrey in the okay. main event you've got uh, jasmine jasser devicious in on the card um you've got uh, two other Canadians competing on that that card. Uh, Johan, uh, I forget his last name, and um, I'm trying to remember their names. And uh, Adam DeFreitas is on the card as well. So you got four Canadians on that card. You've got Rise FC on Saturday. The first, I, th- I believe, this to be the first Canadian professional regional fight since the pandemic is happening uh, on okay. the West Coast. And then Rise, it's called Rise FC. Yeah, Elias Theodoru in the main event against uh, Matt oh, Dwyer. That's right. That's and then the right, following yeah. week, you got Battlefield returning in uh, on the West Coast. So this is a, a really big couple of weeks. Battlefield is Buffalo, right? No, Battlefield's uh, I think in Vancouver. Oh, Battlefield! I thought my Matt here was uh, Battlefield. You're I thinking of BTC, I think. No, no, no. There was before we sent okay. before BTC. We sent Matt to fight out there. Yeah. So, so and, you, and he uh, has a belt, a few belts out there as amateur MMA. So you've got Battlefield out on the West Coast. And then uh, on uh, UFC 260, you've got three Canadians competing. You've got Randa Marcos uh, on the card. You've got um, – who else is on that card? Uh, Jillian Robertson. And you've also got uh, Marc-Andre Berrios. So you've got like a bunch of different Canadians competing okay. this month. So it's a, just a really big – you know, I'd just be remiss if I didn't mention that Canadian MMA has a really big uh, remainder of March, second half of March uh, ahead of us. Yeah, and much needed. I think we need to start developing more guys in the UFC. I mean, you can't get more excited than Misha Serkinov to me. I think Misha's probably our best Canadian He's the highest ranked artist yeah, right, right now. now in the UFC. Yeah. He's our best mixed martial artist. Jordan, one of the best and fun to watch. I'm really huge on Gavin Tucker. I think Gavin Tucker's fight is a big position for him, big fight. Um, I mean, I think this is a, a win against Dan Ige puts, you know, Gavin Tucker right in the mix in the top 10, basically. We need to talk about Gavin Tucker. If, if he gets this win, this is a guy that a lot of people thought was the best Canadian prospect going. You know, people compared him to Dominic Cruz. I still, his footwork. I probably almost still think yeah. that way. Aaron. But, but yeah. before his fight with Rick Glenn, everybody was talking about this guy's, you know, has the potential to be a you know really great top five guy. And then he got completely destroyed by Gavin Tucker. Sorry, by Rick Glenn. It was like 10-8s, 10-7s. Right? No, he, he went the distance, but it was like he lost like 30-25. I think even 30-24 on one of the cards. Like it was just an, a complete and utter beatdown the kind of thing that would change the trajectory of your career altogether. And he was really written off. People stopped talking about him. Now he's come back. He's won three in a row. He could be a top 10 featherweight with a win over Dan Ige. Um, you know, just a big spot for him. And if he gets it done, you just, we, you got to talk about how he was able to take a really bad situation 
and make something good of it. And I, I just, it's very hard for fighters to do that. Like, can you think of a lot of fighters that have, you know, lost in that sort of fashion in such lopsided fashion and then come back and gotten back into the top 10? It just doesn't happen yeah. that often. Yeah, especially being a Canadian where we're not given too many opportunities in the sport as well. Like, we're in Canada. There's no professional fights. There's no anything really happening too much. So for someone like him to get back, get the experience he needed to go uh, and be so dominant, I really like him. I like his style, especially the fact that he boxes well, kicks, switches stances. I really hope he does well. And I, I, I agree still that he is probably one of our most talented Canadian mixed martial artists. Yeah, so we'll see this weekend. Uh, the odds on all the Canadian fights, you got uh, Misha's a small favorite, minus 135 over Ryan Spann. You've got Charles Jordan, minus 255 against the newcomer, Marcelo Rojo. And you've nice. got uh, Gavin Tucker, plus 135 against Dan Ige. So uh, some interesting spots for these particular fighters. And uh, you've also got Nazrat Hackbrass on the card who trains in Montreal. Uh, I don't know if he has been. I think he's been training in Germany during the pandemic, but uh, he usually trains with Faraz Zahabi. I wouldn't be surprised if Faraz is in his corner because I know Faraz is cornering Gavin Tucker for this card. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, this card is uh, pretty pretty stacked to me. I mean, this card is almost equivalent, I mean, minus the title fights, but there's some really good fights. The fact that we know a lot of the guys on uh, this weekend's card, uh, the potential, the pe- I think this card is really, uh, really well put together. I got to say, when I was doing my TSN edge picks, it was very difficult for me to, like, these, these whoever did the lines for these fights, are they're very close, they're very well done, because it was hard for me to find yeah. good spots. But like even like some of the other fights, like seeing Jonathan Martinez back, very exciting, good kid to watch. Mm-hmm. Eric Anders yeah. versus Angela Darren Hill. Stewart. Someone's getting knocked out. You know, Angela Hill, fun to watch, seeing her come back. So, I mean, very well put together card. Very and the, surprising and, and came sneak, out of nowhere. Perhaps the sneakiest good fight on that card, Manel Kopp against uh, Mateus Nicolau. That's an awesome fight. Yeah. Kopp's taking it on uh, last-minute notice. Yeah, short notice. About that. Yeah, short yeah. notice. So, uh Good for him. And uh, Bilal Muhammad also taking it on short notice, trying to make his way into the top five of the welterweight division against Leon Edwards. Uh, spoke to both what those do you think guys. There? What are you say? What's, what's your thoughts on that fight? What's your, what's your gut feeling? I think that Edwards will probably win because Muhammad has fought fairly recently, and Edwards is really tough. He's a really underrated fighter. Like, if, if you go back and watch yeah. Leon Edwards against Dos, Dos Anjos, he's really, really, really good. So I, I'm... You know, if I had to, if I had to guess, I think that Leon Edwards should be able to win this one. But Bilal Muhammad is so tough, and and yeah. he's he's won eight of his last nine. You know, people don't really talk yeah. about how well I Bilal, like Bilal Muhammad's been doing. So, yeah. um, you know, Bilal Muhammad unfortunately is not going to have his head coach with him. His head coach tested positive for COVID. So Safe Sayud stepping in as the head coach for Bilal Muhammad. Apparently, they've worked together in the past in Dallas, and uh, they have a really good connection. Yeah, I, I like Mohammed. His last fight became a big fan of him with his pressure, the way he came forward. Um, yeah, I'm on the remember the name train. Like, I think he's going to do well. But to me, this fight is more, I mean, about how good is Leon Edwards. I haven't seen him fight. I mean, not his fault. It's been a while. It's been that, what, I need two years? To be, I need to be reminded why he's number three in the world. Mm-hmm. That's That's just my point for Leon Edwards. Yeah. Yeah, and if he fights the way that he has no, been known to fight, I mean, he, he should be able to prove that. But again, Bilal Muhammad is not an easy out, uh, not an nope. easy guy to finish. And uh, I think this fight goes all five rounds, and we're going to see a, a solid chess match. All right. Do we have our TSN picks that you want to let me know? Yeah, what were my TSN edge picks? So one TSN edge pick I had was Jonathan Martinez inside the distance. Yesterday was plus 185. Let's see what it is today. Martinez inside the distance, plus 180 now. Okay. Um, so I like that. Uh Courtney Casey by decision plus two twenty. At least that's what it was I yesterday. Like that. 
Casey by decision. Let's see. It's yeah, still plus two twenty. So you're giving Casey's plus two twenty? By decision, yeah. Okay, by decision. Oh yeah, I like that a lot. Well, here's the thing. She's plus one thirty as a whole in the fight, and fight goes to decision is minus four hundred. So the odds are the fight's going to go the distance. And if yeah, she's plus one thirty as an underdog and plus two twenty yeah, by decision, yeah. you take the decision prop. It's just like yeah. you're just getting yeah. If you if you believe it's going to go the distance like I do, you may as well just get her at that good value. And then uh, finally, I had Misha Zirkinov minus one thirty five as my other pick. I'm going to write these down. All right, you should do do that. I, I I'm that's with it. You. So I remember because I always forget when it's time to do my parlays. I'm like, what what was Aaron's picks? Then I got to go back and watch them, which I I do anyways. But uh, um, yeah, now I can write it down, so I don't have to forget. So you had Zirkinov by just winning straight out. Yeah, straight up. Okay, and then what was uh oh you had uh, Casey Serkinov and who was the first Casey one? by decision Serkinov and uh, Jonathan Martinez inside the distance. That's it, Martinez in the distance. All right, we'll see. Am I parlaying these, Aaron, or are these single bets? What depends, are we feeling? Uh, depends how much faith you have on in me. It's not, all right, my picks haven't been fantastic lately, so I thought they've been pretty good. No, I don't know. Fifty? Are you batting five hundred? Well, I think that if you if you I take a lot of underdogs, right? So if you're yeah. t- if you're betting the same amount on every fight, I think you'd still be up this year because I I've hit some good underdogs, but uh, I I don't know 100. percent I haven't been tracking it as much as I probably. But should. that's I, that should be the fun of the the picks. It shouldn't be the hey here's my picks of all the favorites winning. Right. Your job should be hey there's some value in looking at this as an underdog based on the stats, the statistics, the other stats, how the line has changed. I think that's where your experience really comes in. I don't want to know that, you know, uh, a minus 400 is going to win. Okay, great, Aaron. I I can tell you that too, but you're giving us picks that make sense where if you're someone like me, I don't bet lots of money. I bet for fun. I bet to stay engaged in the fights. I bet to be better at this podcast, to be honest with you, by just remembering the lines and how to parlay and bet. So it's very small. So for me, these I look for these little positive bets to kind of make a little bit and to keep the fun going. So I, I, I really enjoy your yeah. TSN picks. I believe that props are where the value is in uh in I agree with that now. I, 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 I think now. that when you look at props, those lines don't fluctuate as much as the, the money line ones do. And if you yeah. know the fighters well enough, you know what their best path is to victory. And if you and think their tendencies, that, yeah, their tendencies, yeah. exactly. So, uh, and you also know who's kind of on the rise, who's not on the, you know, you you know, you know the trajectories of their careers. Like for example, Jonathan Martinez is like a minus three sixty favorite to win that fighter thing along those lines, but to win inside the distance is plus one eighty. And uh, yeah. you know, when you, he's that big of a favorite, if you th- if people think he's that much better of a fighter than Davy Grant, shouldn't he be able to win yeah. inside the distance? As, as, a, as, so, as yeah. a pretty good path to victory. And I mean, maybe not yeah. more often than not, he wins by decision. But I think that Martinez has shown so many signs of improvement. That I just think this guy's really on the rise. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, it makes sense to, to be able to think that way. And since you told me, I think it was last year about the props, I've actually changed my betting style a little bit. I think I've been playing a little bit more with rounds lately and have been pretty successful. Like sometimes you can get some good plus money on this, on, you know, the over-unders. So yeah. especially I find on the overs, if you think it's going to go decision, sometimes you can get good money picking over the two and a half and it gives you a little bit extra. And I think that parlaying those, you can make a lot of, uh, you can do really well. If you parlay a bunch of uh, goes, goes the distance yeah. props. Yeah. So if you picking like over two and a half, it's very rare minus this weekend or whatever happened. But if, if it's going to go over two and a half rounds, it's most likely going to go a decision at that point. So if you can take a little bit extra plus money, it's not a big difference, but you take that little bit of extra 
plus money on it, and hopefully you get it. And the other one that I like to do is if you if you see a lot of fights that you think are going to go to the decision, you parlay a bunch of starts round two props. So you take fights like some of them are like minus like some of the fights this weekend, the women's fights starts round two is like minus seven hundred or something. It's like it's very it's a lot of chalk. But if you just what, what you, do you mean you, by start round two? There's a prop so that fight starts round two. So if the fight starts round okay. two, you win. So okay. if you see a lot so of fights the, that you think are going to go the distance, yeah. If you if if there's instead of just taking one fight to go the distance, take a bunch of them to start round two and just stack them. Because if you think that the fight's going to go twenty, like fifteen minutes, you definitely think it's going to go five minutes, right? Yeah. So you just stack a bunch of those yeah. and you get it around even. I never money. saw that problem. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. There you go, Joe. Some food for thought. There you go. Another one. There you go. I like it. All right, Joe. Well, that's a wrap for us this week. We'll uh, recap this weekend's card. I've I, thought that last weekend's card was great a lot to talk about and i'm glad we were able to unpack that a little bit uh yeah. tsn mma show interview edition is up if you'd like to listen to it interviews with leon edwards Bilal muhammad misha Surkinov, charles jordan and severe mma's sean sheehan uh as i mentioned earlier i had sean on because he's uh, i think he's the journalist that has the the most knowledge of the scoring criteria he's really made that um a focus of his uh, research and uh, I think yeah. Sean Sheehan's a very underrated uh, journalist in this space and uh, a good yeah. independent journalist so uh, you can follow his work at SevereMMA.com or, uh, or, or you can support him on Patreon uh, so Joe thanks for this we'll see you next awesome. week we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show for all the latest UFC news visit TSN.ca slash UFC